Hello, my name is Stephen Mansfield, and this is your 15. I want to talk to you in this first of three 15s, first of three sessions together, about something that's so important, it's, it's, it almost can't be overemphasized, and that is the battle of the mind. We are living at a time when our minds are more bombarded by philosophies, by images, by concepts, by, uh, by just every kind of suggestion, perhaps than ever before. Uh, wh why would that be? We watch more television than people have ever watched, uh, of course, in history. Uh, we have devices in our pockets, iPhones and, you know, what have you, that just allow us to, every kind of thing to be beamed in. Um, there are lower standards uh, happening in our society. So uh, just a magazine about sports or a magazine about food or a magazine about uh, just about cars is going to have people on it, you know, scantily clad. And I picked up a car magazine not too long ago. It was all kinds of foul language. And then I just, ha I like to look at magazines and in, in magazine stands just to see what different cultures are doing. And, and I picked up a magazine about the new tattoo movement, you know, and tattoo parlors and so on. Could not believe the stuff that people are putting on their bodies. And I'm not that far out of it, by the way. I'm not as old as I might look. So, uh, we are just living at a time when we're just bombarded by images and the mind becomes a battle zone. Well, uh, most Christians are, are not armed for the battle of the mind. They don't understand the mind. They don't understand how it works. They don't understand what it is. They don't understand what strengthens it. And so, so they get hammered. I mean, first of all, as I've said, modern, modern culture hammers us. Uh, but then just our own sinful desires hammer us. I mean, if we lived in a desert island and there was nobody else there and no art and no images and no television and nothing to suggest uh, anything immoral to us, just the immorality that's in our own fallen stinky hearts would project images in our minds and fantasies and memories that could bring our destruction. And then finally, uh, we don't just have a battle against things, we have a battle for things. We have to battle for Christ-likeness, for righteousness. I'm telling you that what you are trying to accomplish as a Christian is either facilitated or absolutely scuttled by how you win the battle of the mind. And most of that is because of this. Normally for human beings, what they see and hear, they replicate. What they see and hear, they replicate. Unless something intervenes, something gets in their minds and says, don't do what you're seeing and hearing. Do something else. That's what the Bible means when it says put off, put on. Put off the stuff. That doesn't mean put it off till later. It means put it off your life. Put it off your, your, your mind. Put it out of your life. Put off this and put on that. It's that intervention that says what you're seeing in the world, don't just replicate it. Because the typical principle is well, you become what you behold, right? You put a bunch of little kids in the room, you have one person acting a certain way, they'll all end up acting that way. You have one monkey acting a certain way at the zoo, they'll all start acting that way, and most of the children, human children outside the cage will act that way too. There's this great illustration that I, that I love to use of this, that we, we tend to do what we see unthinkingly, and of course that's the, the path to destruction for a Christian. Uh, I like to pay attention to advertising. I work in a, in a media world to some extent. I, I, I consult politically on speeches and image and, and how to make a presentation and all that kind of thing. And 
Um, one of the things I'm fascinated with is the way that whenever you see a toothpaste commercial, the guy, somebody holds up the toothpaste to the toothbrush, you've got the brushes. Now what happens? Does the person, does the whatever, whoever's putting the toothpaste on the brush, do they ever just go doop, and just do a little dab? Oh no. They go one whole line of toothpaste and then they come back and do another whole line of toothpaste. And then they come back and do another whole line of toothpaste. And by the time they're done, they've got like this wedding cake of toothpaste on top of their toothbrush. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get you to use a whole lot more toothpaste than you need to. We all know, I know some of you think I've lost my mind going this far down the road on toothpaste, but we all know we can brush our teeth just fine with just a little line, a little bit of, little bit of toothpaste. Oh no, they want you to have like this complicated wedding cake, Taj Mahal kind of thing about toothpaste. And they don't say a word, do they? They just show it over and over and over and over, and to make sure the men get the point, they have some good-looking woman back there doing it, uh, you know, with the toothbrush, and men are paying attention. And uh, you understand my point. We do what we see without ever reasoning why. And I remember one of my children, when they were growing up, I, they were beginning to put the toothpaste on the toothbrush for themselves. And I went in there one day, and it had to be four inches high. I mean, my son had been working back and forth. You know, I gave a dad's response. What have you been, what, why'd you do this? Well, that's what they do on TV, Daddy. See, that's, that's all he knows, because I'd never addressed it with him. Now, my point is that the mind is a very delicate organ. It's a very delicate instrument. And it is, it is made to shape and control our lives based on certain input. So if we are not putting the right kind of input in, then what we see in the world will create the data on which the mind reacts. And that will not lead us to righteousness. So let me begin to talk to you now and over the next couple of 15s that we'll do about the battle of the mind. It's very, very important that we understand this. Let me say this first principle. The mind is a spiritual thing. The mind is a spiritual thing. Let me use kind of a weird illustration. If I should suddenly, God forbid, right now in front of this camera, die and fall to the floor, okay, now, we, believe, we Christians believe that my body will be dead. I will cease to breathe. I will cease, my heart will cease to pump. My blood will cease to circulate. Uh, my body will be dead. But we believe there's what Paul called an inner man of the heart, uh, an eternal person, a spiritual person, spiritual man inside my body that is the real Stephen Mansfield. And in a sense, I don't know exactly how it works because I've never died, but, but, but in a sense, that spirit person will leave that body. And I imagine it in my, you know, just in my own human imagination. I imagine that as my spirit body, as my spirit person stands up and looks back at the body that is uh, Stephen Mansfield, uh, that, 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 you know, there's going to be a moment when we all die, I suppose, when the spirit leaves the body and we look back and there's the body on the floor or, you know, however we die in the hospital bed or in our beds asleep or in a car accident, God forbid. Um, and and the, spiritual, the spirit being is looking back at the physical body that it has inhabited all those years. And so here's my question. That spiritual body, a spiritual person that leaves the human body, the, the, the physical body, I mean, is, does it have a thinking part in it? Does the spiritual person, does the spiritual body have a rational thinking part to it, an ability to think rationally? The answer is yes. What this tells us is that the mind is a spiritual thing. The mind is part of the soul. When, when Christian teachers teach this, they say you have a mind, you have, a, you have a, a spirit, a soul, and a body. And your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. So the soul, the invisible person of the heart, the inner man, the spiritual man, has in it 
as, as part of it, the mind. The mind is the part of you that thinks. The mind is the part of you that is the seat of your personality. The mind is the part of you that, that has thoughts and has intentions and has a will and has purposes. Okay? Well, that's different from the brain. The brain is the physical organ that the spiritual, the spirit part of you that is the mind connects with to control the body. My right hand uh, is moving right now because my brain is saying, move the right hand. But that thought didn't originate, originate in something physical. It originated in, in, the, in the inner man that I really am. I don't mean to go too far with this, but it's important if we're going to fight the battle of the mind that we not think that our, our minds are just some kind of a natural organ. The mind is a spiritual thing. The mind is the part of the invisible you that is able to think and reason and be reprogrammed, so to speak, to change everything about your life. And that's what spiritual warfare that's what uh, fighting the battle of the mind uh, really is. So the mind and the brain are two different things. You're not fighting the battle of the brain. You're not fighting the battle of you know, getting enough vitamin C into the brain or enough water or enough air. I mean, that may, that may help you in some way. But the, the spiritual battle of the mind is not about those things. It is about taking this thing called the mind that is part of the spirit man that you are and strengthening it in Jesus Christ so that it can withstand the evil and immoral suggestions of this world, so that, it is, so that it helps your life become conformed to Christ, and so that it helps you take a stand against the kingdom of darkness. That's what, that's what the battle of the mind is. And we're all called to it, and we're all called to make that happen. Now, what's great also is that we all have different kinds of minds that God has made different kinds of personalities, and so the mind is different. We ought to talk about this for a few minutes before we get into the battle side, because it's important for us to know that we're all a little bit different. Uh, I, I, for example, um, am a highly visual person. Um, there are many modalities, many ways that information gets to the brain, and one of them is through the eyes. Um, the musicians that I work with sometimes are highly auditory people. Uh, I remember once I was in a room and they were concentrating and I was just humming away, just humming and humming. And one of them finally said as gently as they could, would you please stop that? Because for a musician, they're actually hearing that tune. I'm just humming mindlessly. They hear that tune. They, they know exactly what key it's in. They know that I've got, I'm flat on most of it. <laughs> or they're thinking about, you know, George Harrison in 1964 and why he wrote that song or whatever it is they're thinking about. But that music is powerful to them as they listen to it because I'm not really listening to what I'm humming. I don't know that I'm you know, humming something in the way she moves by one of the Beatles or something. So my, my point is that your mind is made in such a way that it attaches to certain of your modalities, certain of the ways that you process information differently, just differently. I, I take in more information by my eyes. Um, the gentleman behind the camera uh, may take more information in by his ears. Um, my wife is sort of like that. My wife is a very gifted and fairly well-known musician and producer and so on. Uh, my wife does, uh, is a very strong listener, but does not need to be looking at me when she talks to me, when she listens to me. So I, we have this funny thing where my wife will be talking to me, and I'll be, I'll be talking, she'll get up and walk away and walk to the kitchen, which is in our place, it's all part of the same big room. And I'll go, hey, hey, I'm talking to you, come back and sit down. She'll go, I can hear you, I can hear you just fine. See, I'm visual, I want her sitting there. She's auditory. She can be in Kansas, doesn't matter, as long as she, she can still hear me, she thinks we're connected. It's the different ways that God's made us. Some of you are highly visual. Some of you are highly auditory. Some of you are highly, um, you know, you, you, have more, you are more guided by what you feel and your emotions. Uh, some of you who are maybe chefs and sommeliers and so on have a very keen sense of smell. All of that is the way the senses are tied to the mind. There are other things that make you an individual. I, for example, do not like technical, statistical, detailed stuff. 
I'm not about numbers. I'm not about technical stuff. Now, the, probably the gentleman behind the camera here, Andrew, he is probably, because he's running a camera, he knows about these things, he probably can figure up his checkbook in about 13 seconds. It would take me 13 years. Thank God my wife is a, is a mathematician. God made him that way. I think big, broad thoughts, Plato and history and theology and languages and stuff like that. But we all know the guy who didn't do very well in high school, uh, but who could fix anything that moves. We all know the guy who... Uh, didn't do very well in uh, in history or or English, but was a math whiz. We all know the math whiz, you know, or the or the, or the English person. This would be me, the person in literature, who couldn't even hardly count to ten. I'm describing all these goofy different ways of of, of uh, people's personalities because this is the unique way that God made minds. They're all different, and that's going to be important as we talk about the battle for the mind because you have different ways of receiving information, different ways that you think, and you'll have to learn how to fight and to battle according to your own, uh, according to your own personality and according to the mind that God gave you. Now, there are a few scriptures I want to give you here before we close out this first session because I want you to begin to think about them and pray about them and begin to apply them to your life. These define what the battle of the mind is. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23, it says that God uh, wants us to be made new in the attitude, another translation says, the spirit of our minds. Be renewed. Be made new in the spirit or the attitude of your minds. This is, this is a statement of how powerful the mind is. If you will renew your mind, if you will be made new in your mind, it will renew your life. This is, this is said in Scripture over and over and over. A new mind, a new attitude, a new positioning of the mind, it's like the rudder. I know, that, I know the Bible describes the tongue as the rudder, but it's like the rudder that can actually determine the direction of your, your life. Listen to this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, it tells us in Romans chapter 12. But be transformed, by the way, I think I've told you before in these 15s, that the word transformed there in Greek is metamorpho. It means the process by which a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. So the metamorphosis process, the, we get the word morphing from that. Don't conform to this world, but be transformed, go from a caterpillar to a butterfly, by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What did it just say? Your whole life is changed. You're transformed as though from a caterpillar to a butterfly if you'll renew your mind. Your mind every day is determining how you live, what, what you say. If your marriage is being damaged, it probably has something to do with your mind and the way your mind controls the words and your priorities and your actions and the way you look at people and the way you treat people and how impatient you are. If you aren't a success in some other places or if you're living in sin and if you're caught in porn or things of that nature, it almost certainly has to do with stuff that's in your mind that needs to be renewed. You see, this is what we mean by the battle of the mind. And then finally, I think it's important for us to see that until our minds are renewed, right there at the end of Romans 12, verse 2, then we don't really know what God's good and perfect will is. Let me just close on this thought. Some of you really want to know God's will. Man, I want to know God's will for my life. But you've got to have your mind renewed. You've got to battle, fight the battle of the mind so that God's thoughts are working in your mind and you are able to approve his good, perfect, and pleasing work. Now, we're going to talk a lot about this in the coming episodes. But be assured, your life is being shaped every day by the thoughts you're thinking. What we're going to talk about in the next 15 is how you can renew and change your mind so that it is leading you into righteousness and battling against the kingdom of darkness against you. And this is your 15th.